0: forever canon the podcast where we talk about ship and sith and all kinds of other shit i'm justin i'm Tim. and this week on speakerphone cast we are talking about fate of the jedi book two omen chapters five through eight how about that
1: yeah we're on to the second one I was actually thinking about while well, I was reading this reading these chapters, you think we're gonna finish this book while on the phone cast?
0: Depends, man. <laughs> it seems <laughs> it seems likely, you know?
1: It does. I've been keeping track.
0: I mean, yeah. I think uh, I think the whole thing is that everybody knew we were gonna be on quarantine for longer than two weeks when they first announced it in March, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you can't tell people that they have to stay home for three months, all at once. You have to kind of give it out in two week injections.
1: Yeah, you you have riots.
0: Yeah, well, and up to a certain point, right? Where then then it starts to go. You see the graph move in the opposite direction, where you're like, yeah. well, if they if now now they better tell us there's a whole more month or something like that. I don't know. I think we we are gonna finish this whole book on speakerphone because. When I was reading through it today and we got to chapter eight, I was like, we're like a third of the way through this book already.
1: Yes. Yes. There's not. In two podcasts. There's only like 20 chapters in this book. Yeah. It's
0: going to be like a five weeker, man. So yeah, I really do think so.
1: I have to get the next book.
0: (laughs) You better order it, buddy. Oh shit. I got to get the next book.
1: I'm making an order
0: outside it. Well, I mean I'm gonna to have to make my own, no no offence. Well no
1: quarantine rules and I, such. I wasn't offering. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's this week. Uh. But first bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Previously on Forever Canon. Dechian and the one Sith are spurned by the one ship. Gisela Horn goes doppelganger mode in the temple. Imposter Pal unit causes a visible scene for the Jedi, and Dalla takes the chance to trample all over them. Pretty succinct uh, summary of what we got through with the prologue up to Chapter 4 last
1: week, right? I like the description of what Dalla did, too, because that's exactly <laughs> what happened.
0: Yeah, man, uh, you know, things went wrong in the streets, and she slid out of a limousine and... Put up a press conference as they were arresting Gisella Horn. Smooth. She yeah. was smooth. But this week, we start with Chapter 5. On Kesh, a planet maybe you've never heard of before. Two years ago. I had ago. not. Yeah, you had not. Correct. I, I would assume not. And we start with another flashback. Woo! Because I like the last one. Yeah. This flashback, however... Has different features. It features ancient waves crashing, ancient practice lightsaber dueling, ancient robes, even. Everything is ancient. And on this ancient planet of ancient traditions, we meet a young girl with a red lightsaber named Vistara Kai. How do you like that name, Tim?
1: Uh, I like her name. I like her last name.
0: Yeah, is that how you were pronouncing it, too? Yeah, I yeah, like her went. name a lot. It's I don't know. You know, I, I'm not sure how you how you test the uh valet, not, I don't know. Not, I don't know what the word would be. <laughs> how you test the trueness goodness of a name? You know what I mean? That you're making up. But uh,
1: I'm not sure how you would have a focus group or something. Something. But, uh, yeah.
0: Right. But something about Vestara Kai just. It rings, baby. It's a good name. Yeah. And she is a member of the tribe. She's 14 years old and ready to be chosen as an apprentice and move on up in her society that values strength, beauty, patience, initiative, and shuns imperfection. Vistara Kai is a Sith. As we read on the back of the book, right, in the preview episode... The Lost yeah. Tribe of the Sith will once more take to the stars, yada, yada, yada. And we were like, who the hell is that? It can't be the other Sith that we met in Legacy of the Force, right? They had a different name.
1: Yes, they had They had the one Sith.
0: They were the one Sith. And so, you know, book two of the series, this Lost Tribe of the Sith. Well, here we are on cash two years ago with a 14-year-old girl named Vastara Kai And she is one of these Sith. These Sith with a temple and masters and apprentices and a whole history of structure and order built around the, quote, ship of destiny, which was aptly named Omen. How about that? I am loving Christy Golden's writing so far, man. Oh, I don't know it's how,
1: been amazing.
0: Yeah, like I don't know how what percentage of these ideas are fully each writers, right? When you're writing in a trio? Yeah. But I would assume most percentage, right? I'm loving the beginning of this book. It is wild.
1: Yeah. Loving it.
0: And just unexpected things. And I don't think we've been underground once yet.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: I'm I'm sure we will, but you know Until then, so far, five chapters in, nobody's underground.
1: (laughs) Not yet.
0: But Sith? In the galaxy, where the rule is you're only allowed to have two? how, How can it be? How can there be a whole ancient society of Sith hidden away in a pocket of the galaxy? You know, that the Jedi never caught wind of or never... Uh, you know, went on a on a crusade against, or Palpatine never tried to snuff out when he was destroying all other Force users.
1: Yeah, and uh, there's different times in in like their in their history too. Like I remember from like from the Bane books and from like previous. Every now and again, like Sith like groups pop up, like full like armies almost.
0: Sure, and and so these, they, go ahead.
1: So like maybe it's it's going to be one of those like it the, the ship omen crashed there right
0: Yeah 2000 so. years ago Yeah And so Which, that's that's around the time of Bane right
1: Um Yeah in and around
0: Yeah I mean I mean the old republic was however many uh, you know thousands of years ago Let's see it says here Darth Bane was like a 1,000 years ago. So a 1,000 years before the books of Darth Bane, this yeah. tribe of Sith got lost and stranded on this planet Kesh where apparently they couldn't escape and nobody has ever found them and they've just been rocking their tradition for 2,000 or so years of building a, this Sith you know this the way that they that they seem to be describing it off the top is like the literal uh reflection dark reflection of the jedi temple right yeah where there's masters and apprentices and and studying and and um um uh, sparring and, you know and all the Just same the training kind, and all that stuff yeah all the all the same kind of uh i don't know structure and uh Hierarchy that that you have in the Jedi Temple is is being reflected in this dark, lost tribe of the Sith Temple.
1: Yeah, you think uh, you think these guys might have been like followers of Raven or or Malik.
0: I don't know, man. I bet you we'll find out, but I that
1: I, would be a, that I truly would be a
0: cool don't remember. I I remember. I mean, I know that they mentioned the name of the captain of of Omen from two thousand years ago in this chapter. And it's mm. not uh it wasn't any name that I knew other than from the Lost Tribe of the Sith short stories. But oh, okay. but here's you know, here's another in the in the last series we get the hidden enclave underground on Korriban, the one Sith. And now in this book series, here is the Lost Tribe of the Sith over on Kesh, some planet I don't know about and I never heard of before or whatever. Which is not to say that it hasn't existed forever. But just, you know, two book series in a row. Here is an undiscovered, completely hidden society of many Sith. How? The galaxy yeah. must be a big place, eh? <laughs> I mean, like, for real. Like, it really must be. And that's okay. I'm not, yeah. I don't mean to diminish the coolness of this by questioning its veracity. That was the fucking word I was looking for earlier.
1: There's the word Yeah But
0: uh, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to question it uh, I just am saying This galaxy must really be huge
1: And and way, way bigger than Like I think maybe I don't know how long it took I don't know It only Let me say I don't know how long it took Ship to get there But If two years ago He saw DGN And then well, It's still we, two years ago
0: Let's get to that Because Vestar and her training partner, Ari, who is a native of the they're different, the beautiful purple-skinned Jack people, uh, they're resting in between sparring sessions where, by the way, she is, of course, dominant and a full-on badass. Mm -hmm. And thank God for that because I am loving these awesome young and aged female characters man i am i'm loving it
1: the female characters have have definitely they shine in, and even in the previous series even no matter how little they were in it
0: yeah maybe and in, in, you know what comparatively maybe they weren't even in it as little as as we were saying at the time you know it could all just be want over versus uh need you know yeah i I think the story was told really well in the last series uh, the way that it was and the where uh the places that it was focused and the people that it was focused on but yeah I think just you know from a complaining standpoint we just wanted more jaina
1: yeah it was. but
0: i but and I am loving like yeah. how many badass chicks there are in the Star Wars universe who I'm sure would murder me for calling them chicks
1: oh then you'd definitely be dead
0: but they're fucking great man and I love. That we're getting a new dose of that with her sparring with her partner on the purple sand of cash and she kicks her partner's ass repeatedly and they're having a break when suddenly life gets very interesting for this young girl who's feeling, well, I mean, states that early on that she's feeling restless and ready to be taken as an apprentice and ready to move on and and move up, right? Well, here Mm -hmm. comes a winged sphere passing overhead, piloting straight for the Sith temple, reaching out to Vistara as it passes, and she can feel its interest and focus wash over her.
1: Yeah, like, it's interested in her, like, it's intrigued by her.
0: Yes, she caught its attention. She caught ship's attention, and she thinks, or she says... It had come for Sith, so she does what any powerful, beautiful, restless fourteen-year-old would do: hop on her dragon and follow that ship. Because <laughs> you know, of course, they ride fucking winged dragon beasts. That's amazing.
1: And- it's cool. It's cool how ship, how she picked up on ship wanting to talk to her, right? Because they he ship i always it's a male voice in my head oh and dc instead of male.
0: yep that's right that's right
1: that pretty much tolerated or just disregarded everyone else
0: well that's the exact um theme that's being pulled right Is like she is king arthur she is the one who's going to Pull the, She's worthy enough to pull the sword from the stone type of thing, right? She can mm-hmm. lift the hammer or whatever, all that shit. And immediately, immediately the ship shows up in the atmosphere and is like, oh, look at this one. Yeah. And so she follows it over to the Sith temple where she drops a bit of one, uh, not one Sith, excuse me, a bit of lost tribe of the Sith history on us. Where she says, The temple had been hewn from the very rock that had been the destruction of the ship of destiny, the Omen. She knew the history of its creation, the temple, how the original Sith crew, equipped only with lightsabers and a few handheld energy weapons, had cut into the mountain's heart and shaped the spire's walls and windows of the massive central temple. So this Sith temple that they have, was carved out of the inside of the massive rock that their ship crashed into and stranded them on this planet. That's fun. Yep. That's just, that's fun sci-fi, right?
1: Yeah, just let's take this. And it's really cool um, how it was written too, like with the imagery of it.
0: Yeah, really well described. Yeah. I I don't know if, (laughs) I don't know if like, if Christy Golden is just a nice fresh breath after Aaron Alston had us fucking kidnapped underground for an entire book. But I am just loving everything she's doing, man.
1: I've I've been a fan. Yeah. It's really like
0: I don't know, whereas maybe I might judge somebody else for like I don't know, being tropey but she's like got an interesting way of of pulling off the the trope of the lost people, the lost stranded people, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. you know, you apply it to science fiction and then you apply it to Star Wars. You said it 2000 years ago in the past. And for some reason, they're also stuck on this planet and can't leave again. Right. They're the only spacefaring technology that is there and they never recover that technology or rebuild it. Right. They're flying dragons around. And so ship comes flying in right into what the main courtyard of the temple, right?
1: Yeah. It lands like, in the center.
0: Yeah, and but back to back to the history of the Sith that she drops on us. All of this of course is told in the Lost Tribe of the Sith short stories and, and the and the collection thereof, right? It gives you yeah, a much yeah. bigger picture of their very cool history. And we skipped over it because <laughs> it was going to be five weeks of short stories, you know? And, and, uh, I know I, under- I've read those before. I know the progression of them and, um, you know, it's short stories through time. And so yeah. a lot of the characters are, are they come and go cause people are, are mortal, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, people are dying. It's <laughs>
0: That works. You can't tell a 2,000 year history of a people and, and have a lot of uh, important characters stick around. But the ending stories are very, are almost kind of crucial to the reading. <laughs> but we skipped them, baby. So that we can Yeah, get... I,
1: and I knew nothing about them. So I was like, all right,
0: let's skip them. Yeah, no, it, it's all interesting and it's all well written and stuff. But I just wanted to get the hell on, man. I wanted to get on to Fate of the Jedi. I couldn't do. I couldn't do a month or month and a half of like spinning wheels revving up for the lost tribe of the Sith. That's not even going to appear in the first book. Yeah. That's all. But they're great. (laughs) So check those out. But now, many centuries later, here we are. And a ship has arrived in their Sith temple, which I still can't get over saying Sith temple. And this time... Ship speaks directly to Vistara. Mentally, of course, as he always does, right? But he's yep. testing her in the same way that it was testing Dechian in the prologue. And the difference here is that Vistara gets the feeling that she passed. How about that? One of our favorite characters, Ship, shows up in this book and tells us this new character is worthy.
1: And who we already love as well.
0: Yeah, what a vote of confidence for somebody that we're already digging on. But the question, Tim, is, is she really worthy? Because what do we really know about her so far from this chapter? Let me break it down for you, brother. All right. Her name is Vestara Kai, and she is a Sith from The Tribe. Lightsaber skills, good. Force power, good. Apprentice, not yet. She's the daughter of a Sith Saber. Some sort of title, right? Yeah. She has never seen a spacecraft before. She is nearly perfectly beautiful with long, light brown hair, and a small scar at the corner of her lip. And most of what we most importantly what we know of her is the way that Vestara describes herself near the end of the chapter. She was utterly devoted to the Force, to her studies, to practicing and training, and honing her skills until her body quivered with weariness, until she was drenched in sweat, until she crawled into bed and slept the dreamless sleep of the exhausted. And that... is the most important facet of her character that we know so far. This... holy uh, consuming desire to move upward and forward and gain the, the physical power of the force, but also power within her society. Right. She is capital M motivated.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's what makes her worthy. She wants to be the best, be the strongest train. That's what
0: ship wants a student. Who wants to train the hardest mm-hmm. she's the Sidney Crosby of the Sith <laughs> and she seeks to become a sith master and this is our omen cover featured female figure our newest main character yeah I said it yeah she is Vestara Kai and I have been so excited for you to meet this character since we started this podcast <laughs> man Oh she is so interesting and I I I'm, not, I'm not, I don't want to say anything else
1: I, I want to see what she turns into I, I want to see the her progression because I I like her already Mhm and her her progression how much she's only gonna get more badass
0: well let me tell you my (laughs) yes (laughs) my my recollection of her over the series is that she truly becomes a main character of this Star Wars universe and it is fantastic dude she's going into the review episodes from now on nice so how about that there's a lot of new stuff in this chapter, man. What do you think of it all, Tim?
1: I think I, it makes me excited. This chapter and the new stuff that's coming in and the, and all four of these chapters even, but this chapter, especially the new stuff that's coming in, it's exciting. It's, it's not the same characters.
0: Yeah. Which is almost sort of ignorant for us to say when we picked to start with 37 books of the same characters. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But it is like she is she I don't know, like she is just the fawns injected into Happy Days, you know? Or like yeah. The, the beginning, I don't know, part of the, some part of the first book was stale. Maybe it was the musty underground air or something, but some part of it just didn't deliver excitement like this opening five chapters is and i'm with you i'm so excited it
1: wasn't the same
0: i'm so excited chapter six (laughs) aboard the jade shadow and the first few pages of this chapter tell us all about the jade shadow and aaron alston would probably have the hugest boner over this talk about all the customization all the tinkering from all the galaxy's finest folks Really in depth, for like a for like two pages, right, of the details of like what was put yeah. into the Jade Shadow to make it in, uh, so unique.
1: I had to, I had to double check that uh, I was not reading an Aaron Austin book.
0: <laughs> Honestly, it was immediately what I thought of. I was like, "Oh my god, he must have fucking loved this." <laughs> but on on board the Jade Shadow, Ben is back to being wise, man. Mm-hmm. He's reminiscing about his mom. He's being grateful for this time that he gets with his dad. Like I could fucking cry. He's being so thoughtful, not laughing at how weird aliens look. What <laughs> the fuck was that, Aaron? What the what was that crap? Honestly, for such an experienced kid, that yeah. was terrible.
1: And for for his most defining moments being his wise in self and to have the, the child take on things all of a sudden was, well, was really like, yeah weird. That was
0: his whole development <laughs> or not his yeah. whole development, but such a big part of it was becoming mature beyond his years.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: like, Oh, let's rewind that the fuck back in the first book. And then Christy golden picks this up with her first writing of Ben. And she's like, uh, uh-uh. Boom! Jumps back into hyperspace, forward to where the hell we were at the end of Legacy of the Force, and Ben yeah, is wise I, I, I once again. I didn't like again. how
1: that first book was written, so I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm just gonna go back to.
0: I, I'm just gonna take that little girl out of that ship and drop her off somewhere.
1: Yeah.
0: But this is very much the way that I want Ben to be written. Okay, this is way more satisfying. It's
1: it's way more. Uh, like linear too it's not it's not a circle it's not going backward
0: yeah aboard the jade shadow the comms chime aka the space phone rings and it's Silgall. She's reporting the gisella news to luke and she also mentions that gisella flow walked that's what that weird familiar force feeling was anyhow mm-hmm. she tells luke here's the footage from that hated reporter Javis Tier, Javis, Juvus, Javis.
1: Yeah, no, screw that guy.
0: Javis Tier, whose footage is damning for the Jedi. And yep, Gisella definitely flow walked because the shit that she was doing on camera did not look like regular Jedi anticipation, right?
1: No, and that was a cool description of all that too. Of the, like even of the, the footage, it's like a king. Of the fight, the camera angles,
0: and the, and and, uh, and like when uh, Yakeel pulls the camera at her, and then it gets sliced and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah having and it, it,
1: it shows a cl- close up of her crazy face and all that. Yeah, as the
0: last image. Yeah, yeah, having yeah. that described uh, like third hand through Luke, who's watching a video of something that happened a billion bajillion miles away. You know, that was yeah. that was a, a cool way to see that and that's the way that everybody else in the galaxy is seeing that right like outside of the Jedi and the people who were there firsthand that's how everybody else is judging the incident yep which is not which is not good for the Jedi
1: no it definitely doesn't uh, doesn't look good
0: but back to the point Gisella definitely yep. flow walked which makes three Jedi gone crazy using three different powers they shouldn't even have. And Ben recaps it for us. Yeah, Ben recaps it for us. Number one, um, Seth Helen froze time, maybe, or something. Or froze people solid. Maybe he did a Quicksilver thing. I don't know. But he like immobilized a bunch of people and was able to disarm them. Some some good force power he wasn't uh, supposed to be capable of doing. Number two, Valen did a dead brain. Nobody, he didn't have that power. He never exhibited that or studied it before or showed it to anybody. How the hell did he pull that off? Number three, G- De- Gisela definitely flow walked into the future. Oh, for sure. Definitely. And so, but between that, um, Luke comes up with a theory. Actually, before I get to that theory, important side note.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No trace of Jason in the force since his death. That was not pointed out for no reason, I would assume, right?
1: I, I would assume so, yeah. I would assume that they pointed that out for a very specific reason. Because
0: even in the conversation, it was very, like, uh, I don't know, it was very disjunctive. Disjunctive, is that a word? Conjunctivitis. It was very pink eye? No. <laughs> but, like, for real, it, it was, like, a sideways comment, even in the conversation, like, Oh, Jason, yeah, hasn't yeah. Even been he hasn't even been present in the force since he died, which apparently is weird, right? I guess. Weird enough that they all notice the absence of it, or maybe it's weird for yeah. somebody so powerful. Yeah. or Or somebody so mad, so angry. But the confluence of these events, of the three Jedi going crazy and using force powers that they shouldn't have that Jason definitely have leads Luke to a theory.
1: Uh, It's an interesting one for sure.
0: He actually shares it with everybody. He doesn't just keep it to himself. Hey, Christy, I love what you're doing. Keep up the good work. (laughs) Anyways, here's Luke's theory. Maybe Jason flow walked to the past and put a mental time bomb in these kids as a contingency plan in case he failed to take over the galaxy. Hey, Luke, what the fuck? Uh, What?
1: That is that is absolutely insane if it's true. That is
0: such a genius writer level of idea. (laughs) You
1: know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And not at all what you and I were thinking, you know?
1: No, it actually fits with uh, Jason's personality.
0: And wouldn't it be fantastic if that were true?
1: I mean, that would be amazing. It's
0: so dark. It would be so, so dark. But we've already seen him manipulate people in an evil way using time travel, uh, i.e., Tahiri, right? Yeah. It would not be. Too far past him, at the end of you know his unraveling, to have gone back in the past and fucked with a bunch of young Jedi, and implanted powers in their heads and 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 wiped their memories. I guess like he did to Ben, right? We he's done. This is so genius because he's done all of these things already. You know, like
1: yeah, and and maybe he didn't. I'm not sure if he. Maybe he didn't implant them, or maybe he like well, he where did they flow come from? Well, he flow walked back in time with Tahiri, and maybe he his his like force his flow walk whatever his force echo. Maybe they came into contact with that.
0: I don't know, man. Either way, I what a fantastic story that would be. And please, please be right. That's all I can say.
1: Yeah, I, I, I want it to have something to do with him, and it, the more nefarious, the more exciting.
0: And the more wacky, the better. Like, oh, it's time travel, and brainwashing, and memory wiping. You know what I mean? Like, that's top-level fucking crazy. That's yeah. so, so evil villain. Over-the-top evil villain. That would be not a good representation of Jason's living self, but it would be a fantastic little story. I don't know. But then again, maybe I'd be all mad about it because it's not really not really who he was.
1: But it's it's the intelligence level, not the flying off the handle half-cock like he was, but the intelligence yeah, the level.
0: The conniving uh, manipulation yeah. of it all, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. Anyways, on to the good news. Silgall. Oh, I thought that was the good news. Uh, it might be. Please be right. <laughs> <laughs> Silgall tells them. Luke and Ben, that Seth Helen was captured. Yay. Secretly. Secretly too. Yay. And Ben is happy to hear that Tahiri helped the Jedi team. You know, since he was the one who spared her life and all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Would be nice if she came back to the Order. And then Ben and Luke are off to the not ominous sounding Cathal Rift to find the Angti who taught Jason how to flow walk, a.k.a. time travel.
1: Yeah, it's got Rift in the name.
0: It's more like dream time travel, but yeah. Having Rift in the name is a bad omen, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's how that works? That is how that works. We move from Chapter 6 to Chapter 7 aboard the Jade Shadow. (laughs) Yeah. Where Luke reminisces about... Now, okay, now. The amount of times that we've complained, I've complained, about, you know, incongruent chapter breakups where, like, why are you breaking it up here and then leading the next chapter in with the same location and and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. This is flipping from Aboard the Jade Shadow from Ben's perspective, sitting next to his dad to yep. Aboard the Jade Shadow, Luke's Perspective, sitting next to his son, Ben, right? It's a yep. That's a well-used chapter break. I feel I feel yeah. fucking reinvigorated right now by Christy Golden, man.
1: Yeah, the, it, she is, for her first Star Wars book, knocking it out. She's bringing me
0: back to life so far. <laughs> and And in Chapter 7, Aboard the Jade Shadow... Luke reminisces about the old Death Star days and pals like Biggs Darklighter, reminding us, quote, people will always be dying for a greater cause. That's nice. Before diving into the specific complexities of the Cathol Rift, it's a giant space gas lightning storm uh, in space, bro. Uh, there, there's no known path through it. Uh the path changes all the time. Uh, there's nothing that exists in the Jedi archives to get through it. Also, it's full of fucking ghosts, man.
1: Yeah, it's it is not good all the way around. There's not one thing about it no. that's good other than the people they're looking for are there.
0: Uh, and the people that they're looking for, the Yang T are no treat either. Nope, they, they might want to kill them. They're scale armored mini T Rex people with six squirming tongues. And they hate strangers. Yep. According to Ben, their ships are really astral, though. And, hell yes, back to that teenage slang. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I miss lubed and astral and whatever the hell other shit that he said for a while. I miss
1: it. <laughs> ah, he was dying or being tortured and stuff. He had good other things on his mind.
0: Yeah, I guess. I guess. You know, it's not just teen slang, though. These ships are really astral. The Yangtze have some kind of technology or force knowledge that enables the ships to appear out of nowhere. Literally just pop from one place to another. They use a variety of tactiles, the least pleasant of which is when they suddenly turn and smash your ship across their bow. The most benevolent yep. is bathing your ship with some kind of ray that apparently distorts your perception of time. By the time you recover your wits, their ship is long gone. who the fuck are these people?
1: they again, another another introduction in the story of badass force users
0: and and just overall weirdness. and yep. more specifically, Tim. Lots of weird, timey-wimey talk, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. These, these
0: people have time time distortion rays. We're all talking about flow walking. Who are these people? Some unknown alien race. I mean, relatively unknown alien race. Living out in the middle of some super dangerous space thunderstorm. With the power to manipulate time through technology and the force. What are we getting ourselves into here? Oh, also, Luke, Mrs. Yoda, and Obi-Wan carrying that dark lighter thought forward from before.
1: Yes, they, they do mention that specifically. They
0: dip back into that the second time. And then they go back to talking about the T, who worship, quote, those who dwell beyond the veil, whatever that is, and they once brainwashed a dude to get them the codex. Whatever that is. <laughs> also, halluc- hallucinations are common here. More common for force users. Yeah. It it
1: sounds like the trip's going to be an interesting one for sure. It sounds
0: like it's going to be a goddamn correction to the first trip. Where, yes. Where, you know, we talked about so much how, like, there was no threat to them at all the whole time. They, although, you know, they, even, even the two black holes that they had to navigate or whatever to get to the planet. Uh, what, what the hell planet were the and doe on, on, on fucking planet shit. I don't
1: know. Yeah, that planet.
0: God damn it. <laughs> Either way, their journey there was uneventful. Their time spent there was non-threatening. But now we're talking about, okay, step two of Jason's galactic fucking tour is space lightning storms and ghosts and hallucinations and time warping and good goddamn luck.
1: Yeah, the, he he stepped up his second part. He's like, yeah, the first one was too easy. Let's, uh, let's step up the second. Uh, well, that's trip. Christy
0: Golden going, yeah, listen, that's cool underground and stuff. But here's where we're going. Do a goddamn literal shitstorm in space. But Luke thinks he can protect them from the lightning, at least, right? With his new yeah and doe techniques that he learned from the last book. That's good. When they were on the planet Dorin.
1: Hello. There we go.
0: Because everything was fucking door, door, door. Door Shan, door in. Kel door. Shut the fucking door. The Ang (sighs) T. are another unknown mystery of this gigantic Star Wars galaxy, right?
1: Yeah, it's weird to have have them be such a mystery to the Jedi. <laughs> they have, like, the biggest library in the galaxy, and they have no idea what's going on.
0: You know what I just thought of right when you said that, though? Like, how, how weird it is? It's kind of not. Let's think backwards together through... Star Wars books that we can think of off the top of our head. So
1: okay, so let's remember.
0: So good luck. Okay, so the Yangti are like a are, are like a civilization that's uh, lowly contacted or whatever, however the fuck you would say that. Rarely contacted, not much known about them. Um, we just got introduced to the lost tribe of the Sith, a, a, a completely unknown group of Force users somewhere in the galaxy, somewhere, right? Um, yeah backwards to the last book series, I don't think there was anything hidden that popped out of the galaxy. But if we just go back to the, to the, uh, joiner King and unseen queen and all that, the Killicks were like an unknown, uh, race of bugs out in the unknown regions. You go back before that, it's the Yuzhan Vong coming from a fucking another galaxy. It's actually not, uncommon at all it's almost the standard right
1: well and i think i think like the certain things like they they knew what they knew what the killicks were they just didn't have i guess it's the same i thought they didn't either
0: i thought they didn't because the killicks came from the other side of the galaxy they were in the unknown regions where nobody has any contact and they spread from there towards the core or whatever but but either way either way the, the idea of this like little-known or undiscovered piece of the galaxy popping up and shining through for a little bit is actually way more common than I was thinking, too. Yeah. yeah I guess, eh? It's fun, though. We didn't get much of it in the last book, right? Or in the last series. No. Everything, everything is popping up out of nowhere, and so maybe it's not much of a surprise that an ancient Sith civilization can go unnoticed, right? I I mean, maybe that's part of what this is meant to do too, right? Is like show show them the rarer sides of the galaxy so that when we pull something out of our ass that has been sitting underneath everybody's noses the whole time, it's a little more trustworthy.
1: And and maybe it's maybe the Jedi like this from the Jedi point of view that they have such an extensive library, maybe they're not really looking for anything else new to learn. You
0: know what though? I think that's out of arrogance. Because Absolutely. because they know there are gaps in the jedi library but they don't or at least we don't hear about people jedi i should say on missions of discovery and exploration right no nope. it's always like it, it it has to be a jason solo type who's going to take it upon himself to visit all these rarely contacted force using tribes across the galaxy so I guess you know being hidden in the galaxy isn't all that uncommon after all.
1: No, it's it, I guess it's, it's not all that uncommon, and it, the Jedi, as we we've looked at in the last series, are a bit full of themselves.
0: Yeah, constantly, and it all is the time. A, da- a major downfall. But you know Luke's gonna be able to protect them from the lightning storm. He thinks, and so. Phase two of follow Jason's path across the galaxy is ready to go has begun. And we go to chapter eight to the Jedi temple on Coruscant to Kent Hamner longing for the old days of Jedi temple architecture, (laughs) dwelling on how he can't seem to do anything right. Just before a meeting of the masters, which gets very uncomfortable and a little volatile, when Corrin Horn speaks up near the end, he tells all the Masters and Jedi present that the GA isn't letting him or his wife see Gisela before she's put into Carbonite. They're not letting a family see a prisoner.
1: They all freak out, too.
0: Yeah, he he's understandably enraged. And so when, when Kent Hamner decides this is the time to tell him I want you in for a, a testing immediately. Uh, we want Silgall to run tests on you, you know, just to make sure it's not a genetic thing or something like that. Corrin throws a hard F U directly <laughs> at Kent. Yeah. You know, Silgall smooths it over or, uh, or Leia does whoever it does. It's all good, but
1: they, they both do, they but both another uh, play a part in
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, they do. It takes a couple people to clean up his mess as once again, we get to see Kent Hamner, not doing this right, which I, you know, is supposed to be appreciation for Luke Skywalker, who, yeah. who so effortlessly for so many years, you know, just held everybody well together.
1: And held them all together, played the good diplomat. The whole, the whole bit. He seemed to be able to do it all pretty, maybe not easily, but pretty well.
0: And yeah, exactly. And, and in this scene, we see. Cornhorn, a late for the meeting of the masters, which is, you know, both of his kids have gone crazy and they're arrested, and one of them's frozen, one of them's about to be frozen. I don't, you know, I don't, and I don't think any of the characters judge this man at all for his bad behavior here. You know what I mean? But no. he shows up late to the meeting. He tells Kent Hamner, "I don't fucking care if you start the meeting or not without me." When he calls him. He's only a few moments late so that's all right. Um, and then when he's in there he tells him to f off again. And it's just look at Kenth Hamner failing to hold the Jedi masters together.
1: Yeah, it's not even the it's not even the apprentices or people who are who should be like a little harder to hold together. It's, it's the masters experienced
0: he's having trouble with. Jedi masters. And you know, it's an impossible task. But the other really glaring thing that's happening here is that Corin Horn, and I think Kent Hamner points it out to, you know, to himself and his thoughts. He, he manages to keep his mouth shut on this one. But Corin Horn is putting his personal relationships above the greater good by delaying going in for testing with Silgal in an effort to try and see his daughter again first, right? He's putting those, you know, those those dang attachments above his Jedi duty. And I'm not saying that wouldn't happen with Luke Skywalker being the Grandmaster around either, right? Like, Corrin Horn is in an impossible situation. Hamner. Well, both of them. I mean, Corrin Horn is in an impossible situation because how are you supposed to be a good Jedi Master when oh, your children years. are going yeah. crazy and getting arrested but also yeah also Kent Hamner him too i was what i was going to say was corin is in an impossible situation and that's putting everybody around him in an equally impossible situation cuz you can't you can't deal with him there's no way to help him
1: no and, and you can't you can't say don't do that
0: right you can't admonish him it's not the time for that they make their pleas and appeals to the GA but as is brought up here and was mentioned in the last episode in chapter 4 Doll is making Kent Hamner wait three days as political maneuvering games before she meets with him about this. And on her side, and on the on her side again, not letting Cornhorn see his daughter. Those things are gross, right? That's like gross yeah. manipulation games, political maneuvering stuff. And it's not the right thing to do either.
1: That's stuff that nobody nobody likes, and like even. I'm sure the politicians that do it hate doing it.
0: They probably do, but don't worry. Princess Leia will talk to Dalla about all of this. Grandmother to grandmother. Next week. Yeah. When we cover Fate of the Jedi book 2, Omen, chapters 9 through 12. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Ancient, ancient grandmas. <laughs> I don't know. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at Forever Podcast at gmail.com. Forever Cannon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter,
1: and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.